Welcome to What to Expect When You're Electing, the Samara Center for Democracy's one-stop shop to get you election ready. At the Samara Center, we know how noisy, frustrating, and confusing elections can be. We also know how hard it is to get trustworthy and nonpartisan information about elections. So we're here to help. Each week, me, your host, Yvonne Sue, program manager here at the Smart Center, will be joined by a guest, and together we'll take you on a journey through the entire election experience. For those of you who don't know the Samara Center, we are a nonpartisan charity dedicated to strengthening Canada's democracy. If that work sounds important to you, please consider donating to the Samara Center because unlike the other podcasts you're listening to, this one is not sponsored by a mattress company. So throw your dollars at us. We'll take it and put it towards strengthening our democracy. This week on what to expect when you're electing is an overview of how Canadian elections work. We are joined by none other than Dr. Mike Morton, the Research Director of the SMAR Centre. Hi, Van. Hi, Mike. You're going to answer some questions about how the Canadian government works. Is okay. that cool? Uh, oof, uh, okay, let's try it. All right. So, big one. Who is being elected and when? Ah, well, let's start with when. October 21st is the date of the next federal election, and that's when we will all have an opportunity to elect our members of Parliament, our local representatives, to go uh, represent us in the House of Commons in Ottawa. Canada has a system of government that is known as representative democracy because we pick people to go reflect our views uh, and attitudes and opinions in Ottawa for us. Okay, hold up. Didn't we just vote an election last year? Oh, Yvonne, that was a different election for a different order of government. Okay, let's let's start with basics here. We live in a federation, which means we have multiple orders of government. We have two constitutional orders of government, the federal, which is the national government, and Mm -hmm. the provincial government. Uh, We also have municipal or local governments that we elect. Uh, We also have indigenous orders of governments that are elected. So we're just dealing with the feds right now, right? Just the federal level of federal order of government, uh, which is the, the national government, the government that looks after issues that affect the whole country, stuff like citizenship, foreign affairs, national defense. Uh, fisheries and, and also shares responsibility with, with the provinces and others on, on things like health and immigration and the environment. Okay, all those sound very important. They are. Now, the, another really hard question, who am I voting for? Okay, so you live in a constituency or also called a riding. Uh, mm-hmm. The country is divided up into 338 constituencies which are communities or or geographic uh, areas. So some are huge. Nunavut is a constituency. That's the biggest one geographically. Others are quite small, like you think of a downtown Toronto constituency. It's just a matter of of blocks. And they vary in population, but leaving aside the outliers, they sort of average around 100,000 people. Um, We all vote in one uh, constituency race. So... Our national election is kind of 338 local elections, and we get the opportunity to elect our member of parliament who will go represent us in Ottawa. And the way we do it is really straightforward. Uh, The person with the most votes wins, Uh, whether or not that's, you know, even if that's just one more vote than the closest competitor, the person who uh, wins the most votes becomes our member of parliament. Okay, wait. How do I find out which constituency I'm in? 
Oh, there's a few tools for that, but probably the easiest thing is to go to Elections Canada's website and you can enter your postal code or your address and it will uh, let you know what riding you're in and uh, who's running there. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But what I often hear about during election time is political parties. Why do political parties matter so much, Mike? Sure. Parties are really central. They kind of structure the whole thing. So parties uh, nominate candidates in in each riding. Uh, So they put uh, choose people who become candidates in an election. Uh, They create platforms which uh, present us with a set of choices, different visions for the country uh, that allow us to sort of think about uh, how we should direct our votes. And and then, uh, you know, almost every MP that is elected belongs to a party. There are a few that don't. They're called independents, but most do. Uh, and then the part, the the share of uh, seats that parties win kind of structures who gets to form government. So typically, though not always, the party that wins the most seats in an election gets the opportunity to form government. So okay. parties matter a lot. Okay, I get that. Now, what about this prime minister person? Who elects the prime minister? Ivan, nobody elects the prime minister. What? The prime minister is appointed. I, I, you look shocked. I think I know where your confusion is coming from. We uh, tend to pay so much attention to American politics. And of course, in the United States, the president is directly elected. So you get the opportunity as a U.S. citizen to put an X next to the name of the person you want to be president. Prime minister is a very different office. We don't elect our prime minister. What we do is elect our local member of parliament. And once the election results are in, uh, again, you know, the, the leader of the party that gets to form government becomes the prime minister. Okay, fine. So we don't elect the prime minister, but we elect members of parliament. Yes. But what do members of parliament actually do? They're busy. You might are be they? surprised. Oh, yes. So in Ottawa, you know, they, they're responsible for debating big issues that matter to us, you know, taking our views forward. Uh, they have to pass legislation. So law, the way law is made is it has to go through Parliament. Parliament gets an opportunity to uh, look at it closely, to kick it around, to propose changes. And that's the really core work of, the M- of MPs. The other really critical responsibility, which is a very ancient responsibility of MPs, is to watch the government very closely, watch how the government is spending its money, which is actually our money, mm-hmm. and uh, and to you know, hold the government accountable for its its behavior. Um, MPs also have responsibilities in their constituencies, uh, responsibilities that are very important, including you know, consulting with the people they're supposed to represent, and, and responsibilities that have developed over time, in which we sometimes wonder about in terms of being the, the best use of their time, including uh, helping constituents navigate public services, the kind of thing that, frankly, the government should be better at. Mm-hmm. Well, Samara's done some research on this. What have you found about an MP's job? Well, it's, a, it's an incredibly complex job. It's expanded to the point that it's hard to do well. Um, so we think we've maybe reached a point where we have to ask critical questions about where the emphasis should be placed. And we think the, the job of an MP in Ottawa, in Parliament, is the job that no one else can really do. Mm-hmm. Right? The scrutinizing government, scrutinizing legislation. So that really needs to, to come to the fore and be the emphasis. And, and that other stuff uh, is, is important too. We would suggest that when MPs are in their constituencies, rather than focusing on the uh, sort of 
casework, service work type of stuff, which should be provided by Service Canada, for mm. example, they should be instead thinking about how to more creatively and effectively hear from their constituents and only in order to make that representative democracy really work. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, that's all the questions on our explainer. Phew. Thank you so much. However, you're not off the hook Ugh. yet okay. because... The amazing Samara supporters and fans out there they have asked amazing. us some additional questions. Let me have them. All right. So, Alejandra from Toronto asks, when you were talking about the different levels of government, the orders of government, what can you expand a bit more on Indigenous governments? Oh, sure. There's Indigenous governments across the country. They're fairly diverse. So, for example, uh, First Nations Band councils elect chiefs and councillors, so they have elections uh, as well. Uh, there are other band councils that are outside of the what we call the Indian Act system, and which have their in effect their own constitutions, their own political rules. Uh, there's other kinds of indigenous governments too, but often those governments are are um, uh, using power that's kind of granted to them by the federal government. So what happens in the federal election is still really, really important in terms of what happens in Indigenous communities. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question. Tyler from Perth wants to know, what does the Prime Minister do? Ah, well, the Prime Minister, the First Minister, the first among equals, at least traditionally, the Prime Minister leads uh, her or his cabinet has a responsibility for appointing the cabinet. So that's appointing the other MPs who are going to lead the various ministries. Uh, The prime minister sets the agenda, sets the tone, sets out the the broad vision that a government will pursue and has a whole host of other responsibilities from filling appointments uh, to sort of making, making sure the trains run on time. Okay, last question. Sammy from Calgary wants to know, what do you mean when you say forming government? Oh yeah, that's kind of a tricky one. So once you have a new parliament, the question becomes who in that parliament is going to be able to lead a government? Who's going to be able to maintain what we call the confidence of the House of Commons? So who's going to have enough support in the House of Commons that they can get their work through? Uh, And so, you know, again, typically uh, under conventional circumstances, that's going to be the party that has the most seats in the House of Commons. And if one party has a majority of seats, then it's really straightforward because they've got enough support in the House of Commons to, to you know, pursue their agenda. So um, they would get invited by the governor general, who's the Queen's representative, mm-hmm. to, to, they would be given the first opportunity to form a government, which means yeah, so a, a number of MPs within Parliament then join a cabinet. Uh, so as I was saying, you have various MPs holding different um, ministerial positions, so they become the leaders of various uh, various departments, and the, the leader of that party would become the prime minister. And then uh, MPs who are uh, left in parliament who, in parties that don't get to form government, they become opposition MPs. Right. So they're there to watch the government closely, to criticize the government, to do all that good um, uh, you know, question period, uh, zinger type question asking. And on October 21st, we're voting for all of them, right? That's what we're doing. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Coming up next week, tips on what to consider when voting, including party platforms and why they matter. Still have questions, want to learn more? Go to samaracanada.com or email us at info at samaracanada.com. 
or hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or the Instagrams. If you have questions, I'll force my guests to answer them. That's all for today. This is Yvonne Sue. Thank you for listening.